Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside Series 3, the new Who Doctor Who Watch Along podcast. I am here as always. My name is Tim Saxby. Hi, how are you doing? And with me, as always, is the very handsome. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that was going. Uh, I was trying to think of something funny, but I just just complimented to him um, because I'm nice like that. Harry Murdoch. Hi, Harry. How old the devil are you? Hi, good. If you want a context, uh, visual context, uh, the reason Tim lost it is because I just threw him a very charming smile when he called him handsome. When he called me handsome. And uh, that just it's not very often I drop compliments. He melted, he turned to butter at my winning smile. <laughs> um, yeah, we're back, series three. We're recording this on the 12th of April, which for everybody, all our UK listeners, is the day that lockdown restrictions have started to ease. The pubs are open, the hairdressers are open, non essential shops are open. Harry, did you do anything to treat yourself today? I, I see you haven't had a haircut. Like I'm myself. getting a haircut tomorrow. So uh, by the time that this video releases, I will have hair that is not long enough to make an emo fringe. Like your current. You look slightly like one of the Beatles. I feel you could pull that off, maybe slightly too long, but you could be one of the Beatles. I am looking forward to having this haircut. It just gets in my eyes so much. <laughs> I had like an acting assessment today, and I have to. I had to get hair clips put in just to keep out of my eyes. Like <laughs> I am so looking forward to a haircut. You don't even know. Uh, did you manage to do what me and my friend Josh did, which was sit in a pub, sit outside a pub for a brief moment of sunshine and then sit in the freezing cold for another four hours? I did sit outside, but not in a pub because all the pubs near me were absolutely packed by the point that uh, I was done at uni. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to kick the episode off with is that... Um, we got a really lovely DM on Instagram. I won't read the DM out, but I just want to say thank you to the amazing Logan for sending some support for the show. Um, you guys really, I don't think you realise how excited me and Harry get when we do get messages from you guys saying you listen to the show. Because sometimes we wonder if anybody is listening. So if you are listening, do give us a follow and send us some messages on Instagram. I think what we would really love is you guys tell us what you want to hear. Because obviously we know what we like to uh, record, what we like to do. But if you guys want to hear us talk to certain people or talk about certain things, then definitely um, you know, leave us a message and we'll definitely do that. Um, where We've been away for two weeks since we've done a main show. Um, coming up later, you will be able to listen to our commentary or our thoughts on The Runaway Bride and the 2006 Christmas seven? special. 2000, yes. Yeah, 2006 Christmas yeah. special, that's right. Um, so stay tuned for that. But first, there is two bits of main news. One is a rumour, one is a series of interviews. The first one, let's start with the rumour, which is that Line of Duty star Kelly MacDonald is a, a rumoured favourite to replace Jodie Whittaker's um, 13th Doctor, obviously, into the 14th Doctor. Now, there isn't much to say, because I don't... Do you watch Line of Duty? I My family watches Line of Duty. Uh, they've been watching it whilst I've been at uni. I've heard very, very good things about the new series. I know that the whole show is meant to be brilliant, mm. I've not seen it. It's something I really should get onto because I know the whole thing's on iPlayer. So maybe when yeah. I'm not watching Doctor Who or Torchwood, I'll watch Line of Duty. Yeah. It's one of those things that I that I see all the time, but the hype around it is too intense when it's on that like I can't watch it while it's on because it's going to spoil it. It's like, because I watch Gogglebox, so I sort of feel like I see Line of Duty 
vicariously through those who <laughs> were participating yeah. in Gogglebox. You really get the sense that like sort of get excited. show on TV right now. You really get that sense. Yeah. But yeah, Kelly McDonald is a rumoured favourite to you know become the 14th Doctor. Now, I think we talked about this briefly. I don't want to talk so much about her casting because we don't really know her that well. I had a quick googs. She does look... She looks like she could be the Doctor. Don't have any standout problems or anything like that. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is that do you think... There has been no confirmation or anything since early January, um, apart from one rumour at the start of January that Jodie was on her way out as Doctor Who. Since then, there has been nothing at all from the BBC, no other sort of confirmed rumours, just casting, you know, that sort of spe- speculation sort of stuff. Do you think she's on her way out, or is this just an out-of-hand rumour? I feel like these rumours are circulating because... At this point in New Who, we're used to the idea that most Doctors have three series and then they're out. And that kind of three full series feels like a satisfying run. And I feel like lots of people are getting that sense of, yeah, Joey's been on the show for more than three years at this point. And this has 30 years coming up. This feels like, you know anything we are going to see of her doctor, we will have seen by the end and that it would be um, a perfectly reasonable time to go. Um, One thing that makes me question that is that, of course, the series that Jodie has been in have been notably a bit shorter and especially the series Mm. coming up is going to be much shorter than we're used to. So perhaps to make up for that, um, she might stay on for a fourth series, which kind of on average, gives her the same kind of run that Capaldi and Smith and Tennant yeah. had. I would like her to stay on for a fourth series, because like you said, even though she's been around the same amount of time as Smith and Tennant, I feel like we don't know this incarnation of Doctor that well. We haven't seen a lot of the different elements that we've seen from other Doctors. Like Jodie Whittaker is an amazing actress. Uh, first saw her in Broadchurch, and she can play tortured, grieving sort of, you know, mother really well so i feel like they need to play into that because i do feel like she's she's funny she's a really good comedic actress at parts but they need to play to that strength that chibnall really did well with broadchurch that you know made a a sort of a household name almost so i always find it strange that they haven't really leaned too much into that obviously they want to separate that but then you know it's what you know it's what's one of her strengths so why not do that yeah we've really there have been some moments, some really intriguing glimpses, which kind of make me want really intrigued by a Doctor. Like, we get moments of vulnerability with the 13th Doctor, where perhaps, like, kind of, she reflects on being alone or kind of being yeah. the last of her kind or whatever. Um, well, the last of her kind of the master, but Galvary destroyed all that. Or we get moments of, yeah. like, real kind of fire and aggression from her and intensity but those always feel quite fleeting uh, compared to mm. other doctors i hope that series three now we've kind of really now we've seen glimpses of those really starts to lean into those and we really just get to see her doctor full force full throttle i hope that's yeah. the trajectory going in because that's kind of what we've been getting signs of i just want to see her just go going all out. Whether or not that's what Chibnall has planned for this incarnation of a Doctor, I can't say, but I feel like 
that for people who haven't been one over by her yet could be the thing that really clinches it and gets people saying, ah, yes, this is the doctor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I also feel a fourth series would work because I feel that this will be, uh, what's her name? I completely forgot who plays Yaz. Mandip Gill. I feel like this will be Mandip, this will be Mandip Gill's last series. I feel after three seasons, that's too long for a companion to stay. Could be proved wrong. So, but then I feel having the Doctor and a companion leave again feels too much like a complete reboot, like between Tennant and Smith and Capaldi and Whitaker. I feel like you need some sort of continuation, and I don't think that will be Dan John Barrowman's character. John Bishop, oh, God, that's really gonna get. I do that every time now. Uh, that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna be John Bishop's character. So I feel like the two of them, John Bishop, yep, and Mandip Gill, will leave at the end of series. Well, her, uh, Jodie's fourth series, and then uh, uh, third series, even then, in their fourth season, they will introduce a new companion that will then continue into the fourteenth Doctor. Uh, firstly, yeah, I agree with that. That would make a lot of sense, just with what we've experienced before. Although, obviously, maybe Chibnall wants to do something we've never seen before. Um, although, secondly, um, sorry, could you say the name of the actor playing Dan again? I didn't quite catch it. Jim oh, Bishop. That's what I was looking for. That was what I was looking <laughs> <Yeah>. for. <laughs> I was going to go back, but I flustered and annoyed myself too much that I didn't want to say it. <laughs> um... Other news, other news, other news. Um, one last bit of news before we go on to something a little different is that um, Doctor Who magazine, um, despite continued rumours of its decline in sales, definitely picked up in the last in di- with um, this month's issue with its exclusive interview with Christopher Eccleston, his first interview with any sort of Doctor Who associated press um, in 16 years. Um, have you been able to sort of read glimpses of what's been said I've not read the magazine article, but I've caught a couple of glimpses from a couple of different sources, official Doctor Who sources, and then other kind of journalists. Yeah, I did pick up the magazine. I, the first thing I've got to say is it took me three days to find a place that sold it. I went to like three different Asda's and Morrison's and Sainsbury's and Nissan's all over the place. In the end, I found it in Waitrose of all places. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, a very classy magazine interview. too. <laughs> it's, classy. it's a classy magazine. It's only for the giant <laughs> uh, stuff. But the one, <laughs> the one thing that I think stood out for everybody was the honesty that Eccleston showed in returning to the role, and really the reason why he's doing it, which is a reason I think we speculated a while ago, and I think it's been quite clear, is that it's when he says it's the right time, he doesn't mean it's the right time to revisit the Knife Doctor. He means it's the right time for it to be the only option to revisit the Knife Doctor. In the sense that we have COVID, acting works dry, you can do voiceover work, it's, pay, it's paid work, as I believe what um, Eccleston said. How does that make you feel as a Who fan, as a Whovian, as a dirty See, the thing human? is, I, I can't do this just in the context of a Whovian. I have to view this personally, I have to view this in the context of an actor um, because I am currently trained to be an actor. I'm soon going to be going to this industry and it's a tough industry. Right now, it's an especially tough industry and you need to take the work that you can get. And him saying, you know, this is paid work. 
I'm going to do it. That's a perfectly valid reason, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. And he has, you know, we've caught the glimpses uh, from the trailer and it's obvious that him saying that is not an indication that he's dismissing the role or he doesn't deem the role worthy yeah. of his attention. He's clearly put the work in expected of him as an actor and he's delivering a really strong performance from what we've heard so far. And so to me, it doesn't really matter what his attitude is towards the work, whether it's something he's passionate about or whether it's just work, because either way, he's a professional actor and he's treating this gig Mm. as a professional gig, as a professional putting in the work that we'd expect. And we're getting a great performance out of it. So to me, his reasons are perfectly valid, and what we're getting is great. It's a win-win. Yeah, I think the only, I think the only thing that sours it is as a speculator, you go, "Oh, he's doing big finish. This could mean he's going to do the sixtieth. And then little quotes like that, and you know, other things he said make you go, "That's we're never going to get that." Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know that there are some people who've been getting very hopeful that this means that he's more likely to be the 60th. And it is, you know, probably closer to the realms of possibility right now. But I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm imagining that the 60th will have either Matt or David. I can't imagine both of them returning. Um, Well, wait, wait. Oh, no. I think both of them will be there. Matt Smith and David Tennant will both return. I think they've both said they would like to return. Well, we all know David Tennant's going to return. I can't. um... I think the thing for me is that the 50th was, you know, 50th to me is a bigger milestone than 60th. And if, if the 60th had Matt and David and the current doctor, then it would essentially be outdoing the 50th. And that to me doesn't sound right yeah i guess so but then what's the point of doing a celebration if you're not going to try and do bigger and better than the celebration that you did the previous year i mean yeah that's true that's true three doctors the the five doctors and then they did the two doctors and then we had the 50th and now we've got the 60th so i feel like you keep hyping it up otherwise we get another what can they call at this point like if there is if it is i imagine capaldi will come back because capaldi loves doctor who so if it was like if Tennant, Smith, and Capaldi, and the current doctor. Would they call it the Four Doctors? Is that what they do? I don't know. I quite like those names. They're quite fun. But then I think there's better titles. Yeah. Um. Anything else? Anything else, Harry? That we haven't discussed that you've heard? Anything you want to talk about? Um. Not that I can think nope. of. No. Okay. Well, I'm going to. front. It is. I was surprised. I'm going to steal a segment from a fellow YouTuber and Doctor Who friend and the Confused Adipose, a.k.a. Joe. Um, he did a video recently on what he would do if he was Doctor Who showrunner, and he basically did a, a five-year plan of who he would cast and what he would have them do. So last night, I quickly copied his idea and uh, came up with my own, not five-year plan, but just one series and what I would do with the show and how I would change it. Are you interested, Harry? That does sound interesting. Um, okay, so this isn't necessarily a... I'm con- oh, sorry, you had something to say. No, 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 no. No, you continue. Okay, my idea is I do it this week, and maybe if you get time, you can do yours next week as well. Okay. But here we go. So 
I, I know we just talked, this is sort of, this isn't a continuation as in series 15 or 14. This is way in the future, maybe 10 years in the future, you know, something daft like that, where we don't currently have to worry about current uh, timeline events. There is only six episodes a season. I took that from Line of Duty, because I feel like sometimes a 13 episode can sort of drag the story out, but a more condensed story um, definitely works well. But I'm still keeping the 45 minute uh, length. Do you want to know who I've cast in various roles? Actually, no, I'll save that till last. I'll tell you who I've cast as a doctor. Um, because of the tone, I want it to be slightly darker in, his, in how he portrayed a detective in the ITV dramas. Um, Rowan Atkinson as the Doctor is what I've gone for, a fan favourite of mine. So episode one, we meet the Doctor and he's alone in the TARDIS, just drifting around the universe. We can hear his inner monologue explaining the state he's in. He's in his dark years, abandoned his life of travelling with friends. The Master is dead. The Daleks have been defeated. It's all over. The Doctor finds that the TARDIS has been hijacked and is being transported to a space base, sort of space station place. When he arrives, the TARDIS doors open to find a new version of UNIT, UNIT Intergalactic, which has a number of known aliens working alongside Gwen Cooper from Torchwood. So this is all set on like a, a future space station. I thought it'd be quite cool that the Doctor opens the doors. There's Gwen in the background as a civilian wearing a space helmet. <laughs> um, UNIT is now run by Captain Jack Harkness, but nobody has seen Jack in many years. In his place... It's just a wise old woman who's been on the space station. Because like, the space station is like fixed on a planet. It's not like a satellite. Um, she's been living on this planet for years, so she's sort of like the elder. She's like the figurehead, uh, almost like the queen of the planet in that sort of regard. Um, she's excited to meet the Doctor because she was never sure if the Doctor was a myth or an act- you know, or a real person, a myth legend or whatever. When did the Doctor meet and they talk about UNIT and what's been happening and why they had to kidnap the Doctor? they discover that an unknown being has been freezing time on various planets to steal ancient goods and kill the higher-ups of the planets. So that's episode one. That's your setup. Episode two, um, the Doctor and Gwen arrive on one of these planets and walk around and they sort of explore what's going on. And it's almost like children's playgrounds where the children are frozen as statues. It's not set on Earth. so But I always think of that scene from Day of the Doctor where there's the Gallifrey kids with the ropes doing... Uh, What's that like British thing that they do on playfields? What's that called? Like a. Do you know what I mean? Describe it to me. You know, like ring a ring of roses, like, and they all run around a maple tree thing. A, ma- a maple. A maple. Yeah, maple. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all like frozen time and stuff. So whilst there, they meet a woman who managed to escape the frozen time. She sees the TARDIS and can't believe that she's seen the Doctor. She talks about how he wants. Uh, was the saviour of worlds, but now nobody knows what happened to him. He's almost like a Robin Hood figure. No one really knows, because it's been so long if he was real or not. A majority of this episode is flashback to what life was like for this woman who is called Crystal. You know, she had a family, she had kids, she had a partner, and how all that was just taken from her when everything was frozen. Um, they tried to work to save the people of the you know, I don't have names or anything like that, but this frozen planet, they're trying to work to save and find out what's going on. And they realise that the key component is only available on another planet. So the Doctor, Gwen and Crystal step above the TARDIS and head off on their next adventure. End of episode two. See what, it's more, it's more, you're yawning. (laughs) It's late, it's half nine. (laughs) 
<laughs> but they're more episodic. It's not so much. It's more sorry, not episodic. It's serial. It's more of a yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode three: The TARDIS lands on a new planet. The Doctor, Gwen, and Crystal are greeted by a rundown small group of Jadoon who have been guarding the planet for a forgotten amount of time. There's only maybe six or seven Jadoon left. Um, if anything happens, return to the TARDIS. The Doctor hands them both a key to the ship. Um, the Doctor explains to them, uh, explains to June why they have why they have arrived on the planet and what they need. The Jadoon tell of a similar story that they have experienced, where this being came and killed half of the Jadoon population by freezing time and stealing ancient artifacts and so on. The Doctor tells Gwen and Crystal that the key item they need is guarded by has been guarded by many years by a series of puddles, uh, puddles, puzzles, and endurance tests. The episode follows the Doctor, Gwen and Crystal as they solve the puzzles and are pushed to the edge, forcing the Doctor to reveal secrets about his life, such as the Time War, the War Doctor, and a few hints of things that we hadn't seen before. Um, when they finish, they are greeted by a large grand door. It opens to a big hall. In the central hall sits the item that they are in search of. Behind it is a throne which sits, a ca- which sit- sits an aged Captain Jack Harkness, almost like an old man old man Logan, old man Harkness situation. He gives his classic line, you missed me, right? That's the end of episode three. Episode four, I'm going to speed this up a bit because I'm worried I'm losing people. The episode picks up where the last episode left off with the group. Um, Jack stands and talks with his old friend. He's confronted. He confronts the Doctor, forcing him to reveal why he took um, a darker path and why he no longer helps and just observes and no longer gets involved. He reveals that he's been watching Unit Intergalactic and is proud of Gwen for running the team on her own without him. She breaks down and explains to Jack that she thought he was dead and what it was like being on her own, stranded on an alien planet. Jack hands the Doctor the key to the key item he needs. Jack has aged faster than Gwen because this is actually a future version of Jack. You know, you know, we always seem to meet Jack and it's just the last time we saw him a few years later. We never see Jack way off in the future. I thought that'd be cool. Uh, the Doctor is no longer the man that he once was. Um, and Jack reaches out in his, you know, Jack's sort of just trying to work out what's happened. They sort of have a bit of a spat and so on. I've just lost my place. Oh, here we go. As the team returns to the TARDIS, Jack walks with them. The Doctor, Gwen and Jack say their goodbyes and turn to the TARDIS. As they do, Crystal is standing before them with some sort of space gun. She speaks that the Doctor could have saved her family if he had responded to the distress signals that that planet had sent all those years ago when they were frozen. Crystal also reveals that she had met the Doctor before when she was in her when she was a darker character and didn't have her own family. After her, after her interaction with the Doctor, she set her life on a more positive track, but now she's changing back. Crystal is changing back into the Rani. It was the Rani all along. Any reaction from that, Harry? Or you just... I'm sorry, I did do a gasp, but it was clearly in uh, to the camera. Quick, do another gasp. <gasps> Thank you very much. Episode 5. Remember, there's only six, so I'm going to finish soon. The Doctor, Jack and Gwen are trapped in cells on board the TARDIS that the Rani has now taken over. The Doctor is powerless due to the TARDIS no longer responding to his voice and and also not having the solid screwdriver. Jack reveals that he still is in possession of the Vortex Manipulator, but it's not as reliable as it once was. Gwen takes the Manipulator and travels back in time and finds herself on a relatively new space station. She realises where it is. She's at Unit Intergalactic many, many decades before we first met her there in episode one. 
We follow the life of Gwen in intergalactic battles, aging slowly and slowly into the old woman that we met in the first episode. We are then reintroduced, reintroduced to the Doctor when he first arrived on the base. When he goes off with younger Gwen, old Gwen uses her key to enter the TARDIS that she was once given that she was given in episode two and take it for a spin. In episode six, back on the TARDIS, the Doctor Jack. Uh, the Doctor and Jack are reminiscing about all times with Rose, Martha and Yaz and a few other adventures in between. In the main console room, Rani is indulging herself in finally having her hands on the most powerful ship in the universe. We see an interaction between the Doctor and Jack communicating with Gwen in her own version of the TARDIS because she stole the TARDIS from the past, which is the same TARDIS but from two different time zones. Gwen locks onto the TARDIS's coordinates and merges the two ships into one. By doing this, the Doctor and Jack are freed and they are able to take back control of the TARDIS. The Rani is trapped in time and left to stand alone in space for life. The Doctor takes Jack and Gwen back to Unit, Unit Intergalactic, where Jack is welcomed back. Whilst avoiding the past version of themselves, the Doctor, Gwen and Crystal, uh, the past version of the Doctor, Gwen and Crystal from Episode 1, we see them step aboard now the only version of the TARDIS, leaving the Doctor stuck on the Intergalactic Space Station. He joins Unit Intergalactic for the following season in an adventure of space. Adventure sets completely in space, fighting aliens in spaceships and sort of X-Wing type things. So there you go. Okay. It's quite a yeah. uh, cinematic... Um, for me, it strikes me as cinematic, maybe just because kind of an epic... It's also in space. Story. Yeah. Yeah, sense space. So a little... Star Warsy almost, um, but yeah, it, it, obviously there's enough elements in there to kind of separate from Star Wars. But to me, that kind of strikes me as something that kind of of the epic proportions that one could consider worthy of cinema, almost. Yeah, I like the fact that they expo- it's more exploratory of time. I feel like Stephen Moffat can sometimes could overuse that and overcomplicate it, while Russell T. Davis just used it as a way to tell a story to get to a different location. But I think to use it effectively and just sort of use it basically, but use it for an exciting plot, if I do say so myself, would be more effective. Yeah, I'll be honest, it's not what I would do. I guess that's Mm. my job to uh, put together. Um, Yeah, you should do that for next week. Yeah, I might do. Yeah, yeah. I'll... uh... Yeah, I'll find time. I'll find time. <laughs> this but is a busy week. Do... I'm not going to lie. This is a busy week for me. <laughs> the listeners, however, they have all the time in the world. And they now have time to listen to us talk about The Runaway Bride. Harry, why don't you come up with a fun segue into The Runaway Bride if you still want to carry on this this segment, <laughs> this this ongoing um, joke? Yeah, so, so Tim. Harry. Level with me. Level with Saint me. Um, you ever, uh, Mr. Murdoch. Yeah. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever been to a wedding? Yes. Yeah. Was it nice? Yeah. It was all right. Pretty boring. I was quite young. Yeah. Is it, it, it so boring that kind of you were tempted to almost. I, was so, I wanted to way. leave. Yeah. To leave, to run away, you know? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Wanted to, I wanted to run away, yeah. You wanted to run away from that groom and that bride. Yeah. It was like, a, did, it was yeah. like oh, bride, run away. Yeah, like, it was like bride, run away. Yeah. Yeah, bride, run away, bride, run away. 
bride, runaway bride. Speaking of runaway bride. Thanks for listening to this, guys. I know there wasn't much news this week, but hopefully we will do next week. We'll have better news. Oh, Jesus Christ. Enjoy the rest of the episode, guys. See you later soon. Bye! Shut up! Shut up! Shut the up, up, up! This is a command from the Daleks. All listeners are demanded to subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe or you will be exterminated. Seek, locate, subscribe. Uh, that was good news or bad news or maybe there was no news because sometimes there is no news at this point i'm assuming that there was just radio science on news and we talked about like i don't know um stephen moffat's um marital problems or something <laughs> you one of us I might should... not even have been oh, yeah. there could have been harrison again talking to himself it could have been harrison it could have been harrison again in which case great job harrison um what he had to say about Stephen moffat's marital problems was really interesting uh, he's a great guy he's i mean i, I assume Stephen moffat i assume Stephen moffat doesn't have marital problems i'm sure he's in a very i mean isn't his wife like a tv producer yeah i think she produces a lot of the stuff he, he works on apart from doctor who i don't think she worked on that they must get along pretty well if uh, you know if they can work together. And which one? Together. Which one do you think is providing work for the other? Is he providing work for her, or is she going? I've got you this new writing gig, or is he going? I've wrote this thing. You're going to produce it. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I assume that the producer, like when it comes to like the pecking order, is higher up. So it'd be a thing where it's like, hey, can you get people to give me money to make this? And she'd yeah. be like, sure, I'll talk to a tv studio yeah so it's a bit of both it's a bit of both. anyway that was random uh the runaway bride merry christmas everybody it's april or merry may. christmas <laughs> this will come out in about april or may did you think this was coming out with christmas what did you think there for a second i was gonna say merry christmas regardless because it's a <laughs> christmas episode with okay. David Tennant, and you can't get much better than a David Tennant-led Doctor Who Christmas special. And I uh, think this is the best of those ones, personally. Oh, okay, okay, well, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Okay, so my first question is, it's currently the 4th of March. How did you feel about hearing Christmas songs in the middle of March, at the start of March? Um, I mean, you know, we've kind of been in a limbo um lockdown wise ever since christmas so really like has christmas really ended you know i've christmas not never been ends. able to a bit like friendship that never ends yeah. as well spice up your life. except for when it does yeah <laughs> um the opening the opening scene of this is taken straight from rose isn't it it's the same music we're in space the camera zooms down but it doesn't go it goes into london but not to the power estate to see rose tyler eating chips with mickey it goes to a church where we see Donna and the one and only time appearance of her father, um, who's I don't know the the character or the actor's name, but um, I didn't I, see them in the credits because uh, they don't. Did her father look. speak in this episode? He has the odd line, but uh, but when the, Donna returned for series four, the actor had passed away, so that's why Wilf um, takes over. But um, actually, no, my understanding is that oh, we'll talk about that when we get to series four. But I can't remember the actor's name. 
Yeah. Um, apologies. But yeah, how did you feel about that? That sort of familiarity that all of a sudden we're in somewhere. I was going to say we're in somewhere we've never been to Doctor Who before, we're in a church. But as soon as I thought that, the only thing that was running through my head get was to the get church! to the church! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did you feel about that? Um, I thought that was a fun way of opening the series, uh, opening the special even. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it almost implies that. Well, the first thing it does is that by having the first scene start on Donna rather than the Doctor, it kind of reverts back to having it that the companion is kind of the protagonist who we view the whole thing through the lens of rather than viewing it through the Doctor. And secondly, it almost suggests, I mean, obviously this wasn't the plan when this episode came out, but it seems to suggest by having such a similar opening to Rose that Donna is going to be a new companion or at least kind of gears us up for that expectation. Yeah. I mean, I think at the time of this, this was just the only time appearance Catherine was going to do in Doctor Who. I think they were quite surprised that she was available to do it. I think they'd asked her and she wasn't sure because this was at the time when Catherine Tate was doing stuff like uh, the Catherine Tate show, Gulliver's Travels. She was in, the, I think, was she in the office at this Gulliver's point? Gulliver's Travels wasn't until like way later. No, you're Gulliver's right. Gulliver's Travels was like yeah. 2011, 2012, right? Yeah, and she wasn't in the office till around then either. So yeah, I know it was yeah. before that. So but like the Catherine Tate show is a big deal like even as a kid you know who wasn't allowed to watch the Catherine Tate show you know I was aware of like am I bothered and all yeah that. yeah exactly yeah um, like, Catherine Tate was like a pretty well-known name in the UK so she was yeah. like kind of a big celebrity guest for Christmas wasn't yeah. she and this episode really um compared to what we get in series four with Donna this episode really plays up to the Catherine Tate aspect of the character there is a lot of not exactly am I bothered lines but a lot of what a lot of just really sassy sort of teenageness. This sort of, you know, what I suppose now, you, yeah. yeah, sort of Karen esque qualities, like you would now call it, uh, which is I found quite jarring at first because I was like, oh, that's not Donna. But again, then again, this is the this isn't the Donna that we're going to get to know because she was just written for this one time appearance. Yeah, and she is a lot of fun in this appearance. I mean, oh, great. just talk, yeah, she's fun. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna prove. I don't know if it's a spoiler to say that Donna is probably my favorite companion that Tennant has, at least full time companion. Yeah. Um, I no, like- she's just she just brings so much fun and energy, and her rapport with the Doctor is a it's such a contrast to Rose because like she challenges and is skeptical about everything he does. But that really works. Like him do it. I know, I really like this episode. I don't want to get carried away yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, did you notice that the way she's sort of taken out of the church and transported into TARDIS, that effect reminded me a lot of the nanogenes we got in the Empty Child, the Doctor Dances episode, the sort of like gold dust effect that surrounds Donna yeah. as she's whisked away. And I sort of watched it and I was like, Oh, I wonder why they didn't try and maybe incorporate that or maybe just make it look a little bit different because it is exactly the... It wouldn't surprise me if it's the same visual effect that they've put in and just tweaked it slightly. Perhaps. I mean, that would save on resources, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, this is the first time um, watching a David Tennant episode where I felt like he was fully embraced in the role. Like, I think maybe because he's on his own... But it was the first time where I didn't feel like I was still getting used to him. For that, even this it, is—it's kind of odd to say because he's the first Doctor I saw. So I've had like fourteen years of David Tennant as the Doctor. But when we've rewatched that first series, I'm watching it through a different eye. But when it came to this episode, 
it did feel like he was fully embraced in that role. And I think maybe that's because when I've watched Confidential and stuff afterwards, David said how that first series, he still felt like the new boy and Billy was sort of like the, you know, she was like the senior of the crew. But now obviously she's gone, so he's taken that position. But I don't know, how did you feel about that? I felt pretty much the exact same way. I mean, this is I was feeling it much more holistically in that this episode, in so many ways, to me, it really felt like Doctor Who had come into its own. That yeah. those first two years of having like a successful first series, a successful regeneration, it's now reached a point where everyone involved, David Tennant, Russell, the, even Murray Gold's score felt like yes. they were like, yes, we've got this right. We're just going to take it by the reins and just go. Like Even like the direction, there was so much energy to the whole thing such yeah. a patroness. like you said David Tennant felt like he'd just really come into his own like him here like he was indisputably the doctor this was the 10th doctor that I remember growing up with yeah. fully formed and he was just owning it like Murray Gold's score like had like that energy and pace and just like confidence and Russell's writing was like snappy and energetic yeah. and just not holding anything back and just like suitably goofy and like serious when it needed to be an emotional. I thought this was just like peak Doctor Who. The score me. on peak this Russell T. Is, Davis. As I wrote a note, the score on this is so much more noticeable in a good way than it has been throughout the rest of the series. This it's there constantly. And it is more impactful than what's going on. I feel like maybe for series two, we hear a lot of the same scores. You know, you hear the, the theme, obviously the Doctor's theme, the Doctor Who theme, the Doctor's theme, Rose's theme. There's a lot of motifs going through the different scores. But because this is a brand new story, self-contained story, it's got brand new contained music. And it is really, I think there's a bigger orchestra as well for it. Um, when it's mm. being composed, because it just sounds more grand, which is great for a Christmas episode, especially. Yeah, the moment where I the two moments I really noticed the score were first of all the um, the car chase on the motorway. Yeah, that's great. Like, the score was like really full throttle there, um, if you pardon the pun. And secondly, um, at the very end with uh, the Doctor and Donna talking in the snow, and you hear the tenth Doctor's theme come in, mm. and like that recurring motif, like it added so much kind of weight to that scene and the things Donna was saying about him. I love that scene where the Tardis, where the Doctor arrives in the Tardis to rescue Donna on the motorway. It's great. I really like, and I feel like if they were to do it now, it would be so different because I love the fact that he's got string all over the place and he's pulling string to make stuff work and he's biting things with his teeth. Whereas now I would feel that the Doctor would stand at the door and if she did need to speed up, she'd pull out a Sonic and zap something and the Tardis would speed up. But this whole, like building it himself and this isn't what it's designed to do element I think works really well but I feel like they should maybe incorporate more of that into Doctor Who whereas the TARDIS is this great machine that can do so much but it is also you know getting yeah. on a bit so it's, it's not going to be and the a... Doctor yeah oh yeah the Doctor like it's it is a machine that's designed to go through you know travel through space and time but in a very specific way, it's designed to kind of warp from one place to the other. Like the flying function doesn't really come into effect that much. So yeah. the Doctor's really kind of pushing the TARDIS to its limits by having it in this high speed scenario. And there's yeah. a real appeal to that. I remember really enjoying that scene when I was a kid. But this episode is really funny as well. 
And I don't think that's just because it's got Catherine Tate in it. There are just some really good David moments in it where it's really funny. Like the scene where he's just waiting at an ATM. It's so bizarre to see the doctor just waiting at an ATM to withdraw money. The way he's just like, because it's exactly how I am when someone's taking forever in front of you, just sat behind them waiting. It's great. It is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and also him constantly being miffed that people keep saying he's a Martian. Yeah, like that's, just like, like, that's really the offended. Just, <laughs> the way he says just under his breath, I, I'm not I'm not from Mars. Yeah, like he's probably had Kills it all me. his life. Yeah. <laughs> um despite the fact that Rose isn't in this episode, there is still a lot of um she still has a big impact in this episode. Um she she's mentioned right at the start of the episode where the doctor where Rose uh, well, sorry, where Donna picks up her top. And then throughout the episode as well, she sort of referenced to um, how did you feel about that? I thought it was a, a fun way to to include it because I imagine that if you were going, you were just binge watching this, you would maybe it wouldn't have the same effect. But because we've taken maybe a, a couple of weeks or so out from recording these since the last one we did, it's nice to sort of have that sort of connection, a, a small link between the two. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and of course. For the doctor himself, like this has happened like straight after mm. the end of Doomsday, you know, Bad Wolf Bay. And so it, it's very natural. It makes sense that he's still um, dealing with that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a matter of, it's not, it's I mean, not even days, it's hours. Seconds. Yeah. <laughs> seconds. Literally, it was, it was a couple of seconds they got to like have a moment to have a sexy tear go down his face and then boom, Donna was there yeah. in the TARDIS. I like the scene where he's at the party and he sees the two people dancing and he looks across and, he, and he, you can sort of remember a, a time when he was with Rose and they weren't actually dancing, but it's got the same movements to it. And I think that's a really good inclusion. I like stuff like that. Yeah. I would, I would, um, I would like them to have done more of that. That would have been fun to see more of that kind of stuff. There's kind of the whole, you know, post-breakup, everything reminds me of her, man. Yeah, yeah. I see your face in soup. The way the, the trees say her name when the wind blows through them. <laughs> um, I didn't think I, mean, I would... That actually Sorry, brings me on... That brings me on to something, because I know one thing that lots of people... That some people aren't fond of about Tenant's era, and especially going into Series 3, is the way that he it takes him a very long time to get over Rose. Yeah. And that kind of, of course, starts to be introduced here. I actually think in this episode it's well handled because, yes, he does have some of those kind of angsty moments where he's remembering Rose, but they only kind of last a minute or less, and then he immediately he kind of diverts it and distracts himself with what's going on with Donna or the alien threat. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Uh, no, I do like that inclusion. I would have maybe liked through all of series three to maybe have instances where he thinks he's seen Rose, but it's just blonde women. You know, have you seen the Inbetweeners movie where where Simon and Carly have broken up and they're they're on holiday and every every blonde woman who walks past he thinks is his ex girlfriend. I would have just loved that. Like every now and again he just thinks he's seen Rose. He's like Rose, and it's just like some woman from like the 18th century just vomiting. <laughs> it's like well, that's all right. <laughs> I doesn't matter. David. To the 10th Doctor. Sorry, I shouldn't say David Tennant. I was going to say, um, you know, for him, he'll get off with any blonde girl, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, Madame de Pompadour, Billy Pipe, uh, Rose Tyler, Kylie Kali- Minogue. Kali- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't think I would be saying this going into series three, but d- did you spot the Torchwood reference? It wasn't really a reference. Like the corporation Donna's fiance worked for was like bought up by Torchwood. Yeah. And I was surprised that's, that they were. That's how the reference is a key plot point. <laughs> okay, I wrote the note before, when it appeared on the phone. I was like, oh, cool. And then it went on. Uh, but I, I was quite surprised that Torchwood still had quite a big impact in the story, considering mm. that I imagine a lot of people will have. This was my first Christmas special that I ever saw being broadcast. I had caught up on the series by this point. But for a lot of people, maybe who hadn't seen series two, gone, oh, what's the Christmas special? But then for the Christmas special also to be quite, despite it being a standalone episode, it is very involved in its own story. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I guess kind of it's able to do that because at this point, Doctor Who had a pretty big, wealthy viewership. So um, it could kind of get away with continuing the story and tying into kind of an overarching plot because it kind of had confidence that most of the people watching will have seen those episodes, if not when they originally aired, at least through reruns. Yeah, on BBC yeah. Three, which will... Yeah. Know, I, but, I mean, sorry, yeah, go on. But I was going to say, we'll talk about BBC Three, but by the time this comes out, we will have already spoken about BBC Three. Do you know about BBC Three? About it coming back? Yeah, but we already know about this because this will come out after we've already spoken about it. I'm going to speak about it in the news when we do Army of Ghosts. Next week. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Which is already out if you're listening to this. Yeah, it was a couple episodes ago. Yeah, go check it out, loser. Um, Don't call listeners losers. (laughs) I've called them worse, I'm sure I have. Um... Oh, which point? Which point do I want to go for next? I'm going to save that one to last. Um, my next question for you, Harry, is: Have you ever been on a Segway? Um, you know, I don't think I have. Oh, um, I, I remember one time where I was holding in Spain, and they offered like Segway tours. We were like, "No, we prefer walking tours <laughs> because we don't want to be falling on our bums every other minute." They're fun. I went on so one. No, I went- I did like an off-road experience one. They were great. They're not that tricky. Really? Yeah. Hmm. yeah you should try one. That, well, because they were on segways in this episode, so I thought I'd mention it. I wasn't just asking. Also, speaking of... It wasn't speaking of Spain. I don't remember who Spain was, but I just found it kind of a funny kind of side thing that Donna missed the whole Battle of Canary <laughs> Wharf and the side invasion because she was scuba, scuba diving. diving. <laughs> in, was it in Lanzarote or something? She was in Spain, wasn't she? Well, I can't. It was, I think, it was in yeah. Spain, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I like that as a reoccurring theme for Donna. That she misses absolutely yeah. everything. Um, the I find because you think of a character like Elton in Love of Monsters, and you see all yeah. like the compilation, the montage of all the uh, in all the alien invasions from his point of view. I kind of wish we saw something like that for Donna, but just how she <laughs> missed all of them. Yeah, <laughs> she's just like bending down to tie his shoe. And an Auton walks past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a, a scene I really like in this is when the Christmas tree baubles start to explode, and it's exploding to sort of rock Christmas music. It's like a Christmas jingle, but a Murray Gold version. And everybody's jumping. That guy face plants a cake, 
and there's explosions, and it's also Christmas music. I thought it was great. It's fantastic. Just, I mean, I, I've never fully understood like the whole what the whole deal is with the Robo Santas and the killer Christmas decorations. No, I but didn't either. I, I don't because like they were there in the Ciceract episode, and they're here now with yeah. like the the Spy Lady. I don't know who exactly they work for, or if they're like I don't know Robo Santas for hire. But I love them. I love what they do. Yeah. Uh, talking to a big spider there, you know, Rachnos. That's a really cool looking monster. And to know that it's not all CGI, I believe. I think a lot of that is practical. Yeah. It's, no, it looks so cool. And it, especially, I think, because you wouldn't get something like that. If you did that, if they did that now, it would be all CG because they have the budget for that. I mean, you know, yeah. it did. Was it Arachnids in, in the UK? What was it is that what it was called? Yeah. Why were not Arachnids in Sheffield? Because it was just in Sheffield. I remember. It's been a while since I've watched. I don't think I've gone back and watched any Doctor Who since Capaldi. I've watched I've watched Capaldi and Whitaker all those episodes at least once. Yeah, I feel like the, the because I, I watched all, all of New Who to catch up before Whitaker, but I, I've not re-watched any of her run yet. Yeah. That's not that's not out of choice. That's not because I don't want to watch it. But it's because I'm not no, it's, re-watching it's too recent anything. for me to yeah. watch. Yeah. Like I, I'm not gonna re-watch any of Capaldi or Smith until I have to do it for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um this episode actually, I think this might be one of the I think I might have only seen this episode about three times. Probably when it first came out. Actually, no, it's a lie. When it first came out, probably a few times as a kid. And then maybe in the last 10 years, only once. So it's quite nice to watch an episode that I really don't remember that well. Is it not your go-to Doctor Who Christmas episode then? Because you sounded surprised when you said this might be my favourite Doctor Who Christmas episode. No, I think it... Well, out of the two we've had... This has been my favourite. I don't know them all that well to say. Mm. But out of the two, I prefer this to the Christmas Invasion. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That said, I do think it's too long. And I think it would have been better suited for a 45-minute runtime than an hour. I feel like once the Rachnos really? comes because... in, not much really happens excitement-wise. Obviously, there's a big water thing in the explosions. But there's a lot of explanation, a lot of dialogue just in that one room where not a lot's really going on. That's interesting because for me, this episode is just so fast-paced and so much happens. Yeah. I can't see how they could have possibly fit it into 45 minutes. Mm. I feel like this completely justified its hour-long run time. Well, we've had another fight. Um, did you pick up on the... How am I? I'm trying to... You know, whatever. Did you pick up on the Saxon reference... Was there a Saxon reference in this episode? Yes, when the tank I... shoots at the giant um, star in the sky, um, a voiceover comes on and says, Mr. Saxon has given the approval, or Mr. Saxon says fire. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's just an interesting way of like, knowing who Harold Saxon is, to know that he actively fought against alien invasions... Yeah. During his time in office. Dun, dun, dun. That's, that's interesting. Uh, that's interesting. Do you know what else I find interesting, Harry? What do you find interesting, Tim? How I many find... times do you have said interesting? No, I find quiz is interesting. It's the quiz. You, you, not me. 
being patient. Patience is for wimps. questions what is the name of the company that donna is working for uh, <laughs> uh, torch two letters and then a name h would you would you like me to give you the two would you like me to give you the two letters would that help it's not gonna help, it's but go H- on. H C something. H C I know Wilkins. H C Clements. Uh uh I wasn't gonna get that. Who does Donna think is to blame for her appearance in the TARDIS? She says it's somebody's fault. She says this has got someone's name written all over it. Was it Keris? Oh it's Neris! Ah! No point, no point. Okay, this I would be surprised if you get this one. Donna's mum says that Donna got kicked out of, of of school on her very first day of school. What was the reason she got kicked out of school for? Oh. Did she set something on fire? She bit someone. Ah! Oh. That's not very that, was a, that was a bad show. Really bad bad show from me. Bad show. Uh, Jolly bad I'm show. Bringing in a new segment. I'm not going to do this every episode, but I'm going to wing the name right now. It's going to be called Tim's Trivia Time. Ooh. But how's that any different from the quiz? Because I've just got some bits of trivia here about the episode that you might not have Oh, known. like, did you know stuff? Yeah. Oh. Did you know that when the doctors and, and, and Donna are at the ATM... They're actually standing outside the department store that got blown up in the first episode that Rose used to work at. No, I didn't know uh, that. That's really know. interesting. The, um, the, the, the recording of this episode started two days after Series 2 finished. I didn't know that either. Okay. That's new to me. Um, when they were filming the scene on top of the building, there was lots of paparazzi, right? And they were trying to get pictures of Catherine Tate, but they didn't know it was Catherine Tate. And when Catherine Tate had to leave the building, one of the production assistants put a coat over their own head and walked out the building to get the paparazzi to take photos of them instead of Catherine Tate. That's an interesting bit of trivia, Tim. I was not aware of that before you. you were telling me just now. Um, in a deleted scene, the Doctor grabs Rose's top from Donna and throws it out of the TARDIS. Did you know that's that? A, that's a good trivia. No, I didn't know that I don't, one. I don't like this. Um, there's also a deleted scene where the Doctor is being driven around in a smart car. Wow, that's Ooh, a good trivia. I didn't, didn't like that at all. Good job. Oh, you will like this bit. This is actually quite interesting, this bit. And do you remember in Love and Monsters when Elton is trying to find Rose Tyler? Sorry, he's trying to find Jackie. Oh, no, he's, trying to, he's trying to find Rose. And he goes up to people in the street and the first person he goes up to goes, oh, yeah, that's Rose Tyler, Jackie Tyler's daughter. She's in the laundrette over there. And it's that old woman. She's quite small and plump. Do you remember who I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, she, was originally, yeah, yeah. she originally had a cameo in this episode where the doctor got on a bus and he sat next to her. Um, but uh, it got cut out. Oh, 
And also, this episode sparked a complaint whilst it was filming from a woman who complained that the tank woke her up. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a fair complaint, you know. If I got woken up by a tank, I'd be thrilled about it. I'd probably be more excited that Doctor Who was filming say. outside my house. But um, I also put a thing on Instagram, on our Instagram, to see what you guys thought. So go over to Bigger on the Pod, because every week... Um, I will be asking your guys' opinion on um, Doctor Who episodes. So the most recent one I asked you about, of course, is this episode, The Runaway Bride. I'm just stalling because I can't find it. Where is it? Um, series 3, skip. So I asked you for your thoughts on The Runaway Bride. Vita DeForce Cade said it's a fantastic episode. And just another one, um, which one should I pick? Alex said Donna is a great character, probably my favourite companion. So yeah. A lot of love for this episode, which is good. It's a good episode. What yeah. can I say? <laughs> I always find the I mean, I would be surprised if about because there isn't. They don't really, especially at the moment. They will down later on the line. They don't have a much of a connection to the series arc, so it's you are they're quite hard to talk about. I find. I don't mind that. My favorite episodes of Doctor Who generally are the more kind of epic, standalone ones because I feel like. The overarching plots are great, and they will keep you, you know, coming back to the show every week. But the thing for me that really makes me love the show are those really strong standalone stories. You know, stuff like the Moffat episodes during the Russell's era, like some yeah. of those, like uh, Empty Child, Doctor Dances, and what we're going to be getting later on in uh, this series are, you know, excellent, excellent yeah. pieces of television. From memory, this is my favourite series of Doctor Who's. I'm very excited to get into Series 3 properly next week when you guys listen to this. Um, do you have anything to recommend? Before I go, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. I should, shouldn't I? I will recommend, whilst you have a think, I will recommend a TV series, Sick of It. Now, I'm not sure if I've recommended this before. If you are a fan of stuff like An Idiot Abroad, Life's Too Short, The Office... Oh, hello, Siri. Um, Derek does Ricky Gervais, Carl Pilkinson projects, then you will like Sick of It. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with Ricky Gervais. It's Carl Pilkinson's own scripted sitcom, little half-hour contains short stories, and they're just really good. They are very funny as well, um, with writing and directing credits from Richard Yee. I want to say Richard Yee, who directed and wrote... Sorry, directed several episodes in Idiot Abroad as well, so um, they are really good fun, and Good fun for a lot of Carpool Critton fans out there. What you get? What have you got, Harry? Have you got anything yet? I'm going to recommend uh, the HBO series Westworld. Have you seen Westworld, Tim? Today, sorry, what? No, I haven't seen Westworld. I haven't seen. I haven't seen Westworld or the TV series of the same name. Yeah, I've not seen the film Westworld because it's based off a film from I think the 70s, a sci-fi film. Um, it's really cool. It's a really cool series. It takes place in this uh, feed park in the far future where all these um, humanoid robots. No, why would it be sent Wales? The West. No, the, it's the Wild West. Oh, like, so it, like, it's, this feed it's like park. It's Cardiff, but everybody's a druggie. So it's Cardiff? What? Oh! <laughs> Dude, Everybody oh, talks no. like this because they're from Somerset. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
why you why you <laughs> you're alienating all of our potential Cardiff listenership right now. Uh, well, we'll have to go to Cardiff and, and our potential Somerset Westworld. It's sci-fi. It's good. Um, there's naked people, naked robots um, sometimes, a lot of the time. But that's not why it's good, unless you <laughs> like naked robots. <laughs> I could see in your eyes. You started a point there, and I very quickly realised you hadn't started a point. Like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> what? I mean, it's a fact is that Aaron there Paul are naked in robots it? in Westworld. Um, the Paul cast includes. There's a great cast. I think Aaron Paul is in series season three of it, but yeah. honestly, my favourite seasons are seasons one and two. Okay. Uh, which have a great cast. There's Anthony Hopkins, Ed Harris, um, uh, Tandy Newton, um, Rachel Evan Wood, James Marsden. Um, I can't remember her name. Um, she's in... Um, she was like the main female character in For Ragnarok. Her. Uh, she was Tessa also Thompson. in... Yes, that's her. She was yeah. also in Men in Black, wasn't she? Yeah, but she's in this as well. It's a great cast. There's also this uh, guy who's like, I, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's British. Um, okay. And he's funny. But it's, it's a great cast. It's really well written. It's got some really cool, interesting ideas. And it's one of those shows where like every episode, so much happens. So oh, much good. is packed in. Lots of cool ideas. Give it a watch. Cool. Um, so thanks for listening guys we'll be back next week with the proper start of series 3 with the introduction of Martha Smith and Jones next week um, with some of course with some Doctor News now this is a story all about how my life got flipped and upside down now if you'd like to give us a follow on Twitter go to at bigger on the inside on Twitter um, Instagram bigger on the pod youtube.com forward slash bigger on the inside acastshows.acast.com forward slash bigger on the inside and more importantly than all of that is give us a five-star review on iTunes because they do really, really help. Uh, anything else before we go, Harold? Um, I just want to say um, poo-poo and more importantly, pee-pee. Should I have... have I... What? What are you on about? You heard me. Okay. Um, I'll say goodbye. Pee-pee. Bye, everybody. And how do you want to say bye? Bye-bye. Oh, yeah.